Welcome back, everybody. I have the distinct pleasure of speaking with uh, somebody who I believe now I can call a friend, and I'm really happy to do so. A, a wonderful actor, somebody who I've seen on billions uh, for the past four years, uh, Malachi Weir. Welcome to the show, Malachi. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's my pleasure. Uh, thank you for letting us into your home. My goodness. You know, people talk about the in-depth interviews that I conduct. Now we have everything and the kitchen sink. So I'm really happy about that. You do have the kitchen sink. And I hope that people talk about what I say instead of like, what was that weird thing on his fridge? Or God forbid, something I'm not seeing that I've forgotten about. Well, listen, if people need to focus on something, they can just focus on my haircut and the reason why my hair is just standing up after having it. So, uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be plenty of things that they can pick apart if they want to. You and I both, we can, we'll have hair issues. It'll be the hair episode. Hey, why not? Listen, with your hair, I have a lot to look uh, look up to, so I, I, I'm not in the same category. Um, it, it's give me another two or three inches of height. Speaking of hair, um, obviously, you know, that's, that's a distinctive uh, feature that other people notice about you. Uh, I know that you kind of made a choice and you started growing it uh, a little while back. What led you to uh, say, you know what, I want to grow it out. I think that's more me. Uh, thank you for the question. Uh, thank you, really. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, when I was in school, like like high school, um, I used to try to get my hair to look like John Taylor from Duran Duran. And having uh, being multi-ethnic, my hair was like straight and curly and straight and curly. So it never did the, uh, the John Taylor thing. Uh, I found a band, Fishbone. I love ska and Fishbone is one of my favorites. Uh, and the keyboard player, had hair kind of like this and i was like yes that's what i want i want something like that <clears throat> excuse me again so uh early on i started growing my hair out like this and i thought it was it, i thought it was more me just mm -hmm. it felt it felt better than doing you know well here are the three or four cuts that everybody gets so i mean i did some of those too but uh, once i got into the business i thought it was really important to do something that was a little bit different because i found that when i first started my hair was short and I was going in for very stereotypical parts. And I thought, well, people are trying to put me into this box and I don't want to go into the box. So let me just be myself and see what happens. So for better that, or worse. <laughs> well, for better as far as I'm concerned. And I think that's really an interesting choice because people want to fit in. And uh, we're talking about types and you and I will, will uh, elaborate on that. But, you know, we're talking about types and I'm the you know, the dad type, the uh, the lawyer, the doctor uh, type. Uh, but it doesn't mean that even though you think you know your type, you should be yourself. You should be different. Uh, there there has to be something different about you, not just in your personality, but in your appearance that makes people say, okay, that's interesting. I, I want to have that. So I'm glad you made that choice. That's that's a brave thing to do and good on you. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing. I think a lot of people... Um, say they want to be in the business and they want to <clears throat> they want to make a mark they want to show that they're an individual and then uh, I used to print uh, headshots for actors years ago uh, about the same time friends was on and the amount of women that would come in with and all their haircuts would be like the Courtney Cox you know like or you know the Jennifer Aniston like literally like headshot after headshot and I remember talking to casting directors and they were like I want something unique and I'm getting the same thing over and over again, which just kind of made me go, okay, well, I'm going to stick with my choice then to do something different. Yeah. Um, again, the, I've, your hair and uh, I'm not, I'm not as much of a, of a musician as you are, 
but your hair, the first thing that came to mind, which I'm sure you've heard that before, but it's Don King. That's that's the uh, kind of what what I went to because I remember, you know, I grew up obviously watching boxing and uh, and uh, you know uh, Mike, uh, uh, you know, put the fear of God into everybody, including myself, when I was looking into his eyes as I was watching. So that's that's the first thing that came to mind. Uh, I know there was actually a movie uh, made where God. Um, He's an incredible actor. I forgot his uh, his name that played Don King. Uh, did did Don's haircut ever play a choice uh, in yours, or that was uh, that was a separate uh, issue? No, I think he made some different choices than <laughs> that I made in terms of uh, up and just like you know his looks. Mine looks like a deflated fern. His looks like a, a young fern. No, um, it all depends on your your reference point. So my reference point was ska music. If you're uh, an athletic person from your boxing, you'd say Don King. If you were a social scientist, you might say Cornell West. You know, so it just depends on you know what it is that you see in your day to day. So then you then you just take that, and you plant it, so to speak, on somebody else. So yeah, uh, now now I'm gonna have to go back and and kind of take a screenshot of yours and screenshot of Don King's and compare. I'll, I'll that's my homework after the fact. Do your um, homework. I'll do an update yeah. later. So you. <laughs> You've uh, you mentioned something which uh, which actually this whole discussion brings in uh, into light of how you know casting directors and how producers and directors how they view us as actors and they right. view us through the lens of you know what they're accustomed to and right. uh, again you know it's oh yeah he reminds me of this or uh, I know an actor and he has that same energy and I want that. So that could be the positive end of it. The negative end of it is like, no, he reminds me of somebody who I have a bad association with, and I'm not going to do it just because of that, regardless of how great uh, an actor is, which really yeah. you know, brings into the uh, alignment of, uh, as actors, there are a million reasons why we're not chosen for a role, and very few of them have anything to do with how good or bad we are. Yeah, um, and again, it goes back to uh, trusting who you are as an individual, because if you're chasing something uh, that's not you, something that you think people want, you're not being authentic. Um, and there's, yeah, you're right, there's no way to tell a casting director can be like, that looks like my ex-boyfriend, I'm never gonna cast him in anything. Or they could be like, oh, that's a really unique energy and I really love it. And it could be, you know, you could do the exact same thing in front of 10 different casting directors and get 10 different responses, so. There's some things you can't control. That's true. Um, you've mentioned multi-ethnic. I actually want to talk to you about that because uh, I didn't know you were multi-ethnic. And then in in talking to you and in doing some research, I found that uh, that out. Um, and again, going back to those boxes, and um, did you find that it was a hindrance or people didn't know where to place you, or was it a helpful thing where people said? Hey, you're you're kind of uh, ethnically ambiguous, and we can use you in multiple parts. Which which way was it for you? Absolutely a hindrance. Absolutely, yep. yeah, yeah. Um, this business has a lot of very very cool aspects, uh, but one of the uh, less cool aspects is that certainly now uh, you have a lot of accountants making decisions, uh, a lot of algorithms. So people look and say, well, we want the black demographic and we want the, we need this type and that type. And that's been there for a while, really. But, uh, I remember when I first started, I took a commercial class and no complaints from the teacher, no complaints from the scene mates or anything felt good about it. Uh, we had our showcase night and a casting director came in 
I did my thing and she was like, you're really good, but I just don't see where you fit in this world. And, you know, that was it. Um, people that I've walked in to uh, uh, black projects where they're like, you're not black enough. I've walked into white projects where they don't seem to understand <laughs> I'm multi-ethnic or that I should be seen as maybe a human first. So the people are looking to fit someone into a little, you know, cookie cutter kind of a thing. And if you don't fit, you are kicked out pretty quick. Um, so anytime I've been cast, someone's been willing to be a little bit more interesting than that, which I really appreciate. Yeah, well, I'm sorry you uh, you had to go through that. That's uh, just stupid. I, I'm really, I, I can find a more eloquent word, but that's just stupid and ignorant and not yeah. allowing you know yourself to uh, to actually look outside and see the world for what it is and be able to represent it in your projects for what it is. And yeah, it's just whatever. Now, things, things have definitely changed over the years. And uh, uh, one of my commercial agents a long time ago, um, actually that was something that was really lovely. I had a, when I first started commercially uh, back in 2000, I met with my commercial agency, Atlas, and uh, the woman there, Lynn Erickson. Um, I think she sent me out on one audition, went into the office, and she said, here's the deal. You're not even close to a commercial type, but we think you're great, and we're just going to put you out there and make you one. So here's someone who took that same sort of like, okay, I get that you don't fit into the sort of P&G, Procter & Gamble world, but we think you're awesome, so we're going we're to push. And I've done 30, 40 commercials, so uh, that was just someone who believes in you in every single job, that's sort of what it's been. It's someone who says, yeah, you know what? Um, I don't care, we like them. And theoretically, that's the way it's supposed to be. So uh, I feel very blessed for every job I've done. Yeah, thank, thank God for her. And uh, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that. Um, yeah, and th things have definitely changed. Um, I'd like to think that that I've had a small part in changing them because I've just like, I won't do the thing. I've had another another legit audition where someone asked me to be more street, a pretty famous director. And I was just like, no, you know, and I don't hear people ask that question anymore. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to hear that. You have to, you have to make choices. Again, you know, my career is, you know, here, but I've been asked to play Vladimir Putin. I'm like, really? Um, you know, I, I don't look like uh, Putin. I know we can color my hair and we can do all sorts of things, but uh, just because I'm Russian speaking does not mean that all of us look alike. Uh, it's, yeah, so I, I said no to that, uh, aside from the fact of what I actually think about Vladimir Putin. But yeah, it's, you, you, have to, you have to be true to yourself and, uh, and you know, allow that to come through. Um, you absolutely have to. And um, it shows when we talk about uh, institutional racism, that's a part of it. Someone doesn't take the time to see an individual. They just go, Russian, got it. Go sit over there. You're, you're our Putin guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I go back to Walter Matthau, uh, who I love uh, and sadly won't ever have a chance to interview. But, um, you know, Walter was always introducing me. Okay, I'm not going to say always. I've heard that Walter was referring to himself as the, um, the Ukrainian Cary Grant. So it's, it's, it's one of those things. I haven't found that type of, a, you know, funny simile for myself, but I'm looking and I'll, I'll find something. Experience, um, experience will give it to you. I think the more so. you experience, you'll fall into something. You'll go, oh, that's what it is.
Yeah. Um, let's let's uh, finish off our kind of uh, discussion on how people view you or perceive you by uh, talking about your name. I was one of those. Um, yes, and, and huh? yes, Constantine. Yes. Thank you for for doing your research. I appreciate that. We'll we'll dive into that if you like. But you know, I was one of the uh, one of the not few. I imagine who uh, mispronounced your name, who just uh, made an assumption. Usually I do research, but uh, we jumped on the phone and I called you and I, instead of saying Malachi, I said Malachi. And uh, the, the measure of a man is how he responds uh, to that and you responded wonderfully and I think that's why we're still talking. So uh, yeah, but it's, it's interesting. And again, it's the perception, right? I am Jewish. I have a Jewish background, uh, you know, uh, I'm not religious, but I am Jewish heritage. So for me, when I looked at your name, I should have thought Malachi, but because of, you know, your appearance and because of whatever things are pre-programmed, it didn't make that connection. So I wonder when people are looking at your name and they're looking at your resume, you know, were they coming up with their own conclusions and saying, well, yeah, that's too weird, or it doesn't play with what my associations are. You know, did you encounter any of that uh, foolishness? Well, first of all, <clears throat> with your Jewish heritage, you should have said Malachi, because I that would, would be the correct way of pronouncing it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've heard, I've heard everything. Um, I've heard absolutely everything um, when I was younger. Anytime we had a school trip, we would hang out and just wait for the the, the parent chaperone to mispronounce my name. Uh, Malachi, again, it depends on your your frame of reference. If anyone who watched Happy Days heard Malachi Crunch, so Malachi becomes the thing. Yeah. If you're Irish, you tend to call me Malachi because my name through Ireland is Malachi or Malachi or just butchering it. So, you know, uh, <laughs> it depends. And uh, yeah, it was... Again, I can't tell what casting directors have thought along the way. Like, I can't get in their heads, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, every people, unfortunately, tend to follow the path of least resistance. And if my name was John Smith, boom. No one's got to feel embarrassed by mispronouncing it. No one has to, to take any guesses, although they might take a guess at that point. Um, so yeah, it's. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of people that are like, I don't even feel like dealing with this, or people that, and I was told this a few times, people that might have thought, oh, we don't want a Jewish guy for this, so we're going to go a different way, or people that are like, yeah, we want a we want a black guy, but this is, I don't know what this guy is, but again, my appearance, my name, I, I don't offer easy answers for people in the beginning of my career. Um, <clears throat> good. Right, I good for you. Be be yourself. You know, I I I, I hope. I don't have much of a choice, so, huh? I don't have much of a choice. Well, uh, some people could be tempted to uh, instead of. And again, I'm not suggesting this in any way. But uh, as as somebody who is coming up, some people might have been uh, tempted to say instead of Malachi, I'll just take Mel. Right, so it's Mel Weir, right. <clears throat> and it makes yeah. it a little more palatable for other people. Again, trying to fit in. Uh, and you didn't go that path. You know, Barbara Streisand never had uh, had surgery, even though people were saying that uh, her nose is too big. She said, no, it, this is who I am. This is a part of my musical instrument. I'm not doing it. I, I, I really respect people who are saying, this is who I am, and I don't care. Uh, I'm going to uh, continue being myself, 
and I don't need to be fit into a, a little box. Yeah, I agree. And uh, there are a lot of people in the world and certainly in this business that do a lot of altering um, for whatever their reasons. Yeah. So. That's okay. So uh, you've, you've mentioned Constantine, you kind of threw that out. Uh, did, <laughs> did you have a question about that? Because, you know, people know me as Alan Beesberg right there. Uh, they don't know who this Constantine thing is. Yes, but I, but I know your real name. And I think it's really cool. I think it's really cool. Uh, is there a comic book character, uh, Constantine? There's a yeah. um, the movie Alphaville, the main character, if I, if I recall correctly, his name Constantine. I'm still waiting to get my DVD back from a friend. I haven't seen it in like 10 years now, but uh, 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 let me caution. Uh, no, let me caution is his name. Uh, this is kind of where I'm getting Constantine from. Mm. It's a great name. It's such a great name. So I, I would suggest sticking with it, but I certainly understand um, uh, reasons for changing a name and yeah okay well uh now the cat's out of the bag so let's let's just clarify a few things my real name is alan weisberg i was born constantine and then uh you know through coming to the united states uh i came to the united states with my you know russian first name and russian last name which then i ended up changing uh, years later so it was it was more of hey you know, you have way too many letters in your name. There's no way that people are going to be able to spell it, pronounce it, or understand it. Uh, I, it's, it's the realization when I was in, uh, in former Soviet Union, Ukraine, uh, my name, I thought, was a Russian name, Constantine. When I came here, it became a Greek name. And then I had to, uh, you know, study a little bit of history to understand that connection. And people would just say, just call yourself Costa or Dinos or any of that. But I'm not Greek. I, I didn't want to kind of, uh, you know, portray the fact that I'm, you know, Greek and make people assume that I am. So it's it's that and a variety of things that made me uh, legally change. So it's Alan Weisberg now. But yeah, some some of my old friends still call me uh, Constantine. Right. Well, aside from being a, a cool name, and obviously, I mean, like I said, we all make our choices. Yeah. Um, I think that part of it for me, and I'm trying to figure out the best way to illustrate it. Uh, a couple of years ago, when uh, people started recognizing me, one of the coolest moments <laughs> was uh, being at a Duran Duran concert. So I've just given up a little bit between Duran Duran and the Atari shirt. Uh, so now we can guess the age and the hair color. Um, it was a Duran Duran concert. It was amazing to them there. I'm like, oh my God, I love these guys. I already mentioned John Taylor. So I guess the Duran Duran thing's out. Um, and I'm thinking these guys really influenced me and I'm, I'm here getting a chance to watch them finally after all these years. And this guy and his wife come up to me and they're like, are you Malachi Weir? And I was like, what? Like, nobody knows my name. No strangers come up and say my name. And then no one ever pronounces it correctly. So I was blown away and then they were fans of the show. And I was just like, they're getting a picture of me with the stage behind us and Duran Duran is back there. And it was just, it was the craziest, it was the craziest thing. but. Uh, the point of the story actually is that the world continues to narrow on us. Um, people break into these camps, uh, this tribalism, and as long as we present the world with easy solutions, um, we're going to have really simplistic answers. So kind of in a very, 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 very small way allowing room for something else so someone's got to find a way to pronounce the name or understand the history oh where's malachi come from and i can say oh yeah last book of the old testament da, da, da. so uh, i appreciate making those little tiny tiny ant-sized strides yeah 
no thank you um yeah okay let's uh let's move on with uh with acting and uh you you kind of touched upon billions which is where i know you from originally and uh it's you know I, I everybody knows what i'm about to say which is this is it's my second most favorite uh you know tv drama of all time and um i i look at it as an acting school so i kind of every time i watch it i watch it from two perspectives one is i'm really interested in the content of the show and the second is i watch people act and then i stop and i rewatch and uh it's it's just incredible to me what is it from your side from actually being there and watching these people work and you work a lot with paul giamatti who's just an embarrassment of of acting riches um yeah. what is that like it's amazing is the easiest way to put it. Um, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, and it's absolutely acting school for me as well, which is tricky because you're on set and you have to do your job, but then you're also trying to learn and find a balance, which has to be more do your job than <laughs> learning. Um, but yeah, I would love to to sit with Paul between every scene and be like, so when you made this choice, was it, you know, I, but you got to also be in the, in the zone. Um, I feel very, very fortunate. I feel very fortunate um, on so many levels. Um, yeah, I came from uh, right before Billions. Um, I decided to move to California to try acting there. It didn't work out so well, uh, didn't have good representation. So I came back and didn't know what I was gonna do. I was like, God, maybe, I, maybe I'm out of the loop. Maybe I, maybe I, I pulled myself out um, and luckily got that Billions audition. And at the time it was, it's one scene you may come back, but probably not given what the what happens to you in the scene. Yeah. So every time they ask me back, I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> I feel really lucky. And yeah, it's uh, when I more often than not, when I go to work, I go work with Paul Giamatti. And I don't know if you can. Uh... Yeah. 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 So yeah. He, he's really wonderful. Uh, he's uh, he makes learning comfortable and he makes acting with them totally enjoyable so um what have you found again in terms of uh, his approach just to dive into that for a second but what have you found in his approach that you were like okay this is great i'm gonna try doing some of that myself was there anything that you noticed uh, with him well i mean he's super prepared which allows him uh the opportunity to have fun on set, which I mean, it's just a good idea, obviously, to be prepared in general, but he's prepared to a point where, um, to me, it feels supernatural. I just need to do more work, I'm sure. But he's, um, he just, he gets the character. Um, he understands what it's like to be on set, to, 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 to be filmed. So he understands the relationship between him and the camera. He, interacts with everybody on set and offset in a way that makes everybody feel good. Uh, and that actually has been uh, watching him with a fan in the very beginning was one of my my strongest memories, actually. Um, we had done a scene where we were walking through Central Park. And uh, as we were doing the scene, more and more people were gathering at the bottom of Central Park waiting to get a picture with them or talk to him. So we finished and I watched him talking to everybody and he was so just gracious and so kind everyone wants pictures taken uh and the funny moment for me was it was just a crowd of people around him and i was just kind of standing there off to the side and this one guy steps out of the crowd with a little camera and he's like 
to take a picture of me. And I'm actually I'm sure the guy was like, well, he must be somebody. I mean, he's he saw he's working with Paul Giamatti. So I got that one picture, first fan photo, I think. Uh, the guy was not sure what he was doing or who he was taking a picture of. Um, but watching him do that, watching him transition between the work and something very comfortable was actually really important to see how comfortable he was and to see that I don't know the job the job is a lot of things it's not just going in and doing a good job it's not just being prepared it's who you are as a person it's how you're interacting with everybody um uh, making people feel good and that was a that was a big thing to watch someone who's you know one of the leads of a show and watch how that person actually carries the show not just not just the work but across the board making sure everyone feels great uh and then in terms of just the work itself yeah being dedicated making strong choices and then also being able to pull back after a strong choice and go was that just stupid was that because i mean it like, could have been stupid you know so he'll be really funny about it too so he commits but then he pulls back into that sort of actory place of like tell me that was bad because i mean, it could have been bad you know it's he's 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 pretty great it's great it's master class for yeah <clears throat> that's wonderful and uh i i think either you know in our earlier conversations or uh, in uh, in some research that i've done on you um you auditioned for a number of parts uh, did you kind of have a potentially a choice between you know being team chuck and team x did i read that correctly i i did i auditioned for uh two different parts so lonnie was one and then a part mm -hmm. on on axe's side yeah and i believe i had two auditions for each and at one point my uh the agent i had at the time said to me so do you want to work with uh paul giamatti or damian lewis and just yeah like i mean i got goosebumps and just kind of glossed over and then i was like i'm sorry what do you what do you she's like which one who do you want to work with i'm like is that are you actually asking me or is this sort of like a convert like what wh what's going on you know <laughs> and she was like do you want to work with and i was like oh my god and i so uh like an impossible choice but uh i went kind of literal which was you always ask for a sign in life right you're like ah somebody give me a sign so every audition i had um i would drive down this particular highway and uh there was a sign for giamatti little league and i would literally every day see a sign that said giamatti and i'm like I'm going to have to go with if you ask for a sign and you get one, you should probably just go with it. But again, an embarrassment of riches. Like those are my choices. I don't know if they were really my choices. Maybe they're just being nice to me or something. But uh, uh, I don't know when I'll have those choices again. That's that's amazing. Um, yeah. And, and go, going back to uh, to what you said about him being, you know, a really good person. Uh, yeah. That's important. I remember. You know, I'm a tennis player. I go to go to, you know, not anymore, but you know, in in normal times, we would go to uh, to tennis tournaments, and right. uh, sometimes we get a chance to talk to the coaches of the players. Sometimes we get a chance to talk to kind of people behind the scenes, and it was always interesting to find out of, you know, what are the players actually like when they're not uh, in the spotlight. And you hear stories, and I'm not going to name any names, but you know, some players uh, who are huge stars are not very nice. And some players who are huge stars are just, you know, salt of the earth. They uh, they talk to everybody. They're uplifting everybody. It's it's very interesting to kind of uh, take a look at it. I'm, I'm very happy to hear 
that uh, Paul, who I love on screen for you know the past 20 years, uh, is somebody who's uh, that good uh, behind the camera as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you, you know, and another thing about that that assessment, and, and that assessment is true, but there's another layer to it, which is sometimes people that seem kind of like dicks uh, might actually be great, but you have no idea what's going on in their personal life. You don't know if they're they're working on some aspect of their character, so they can seem horrible, but they're actually having a moment. Um, and other people that seem really great, and then you turn around and you know. They don't call back or they, you know, they're just so, you know, like anything else, you get to know a person after a little while, you get a better sense of who they are. That that first impression is uh, is 50-50. Yeah, I get you. And uh, do you have anybody in mind uh, that you're you're OK sharing that, you know, you saw them in uh, in a light that was not the most pleasant and then realized that, hey, they were just uh, working on a character? I'll give you two different stories, I think. Um, okay. One, one, yeah, there was a guy I met on, on a set of a show. I won't, I won't use his name, but uh, although it worked out fine, uh, when I met him, he just had this kind of attitude. I was like, oh, my God, like, oh, that's what people talk about when they talk about jerk actors. And then I saw the show, and that was absolutely his character. So now I don't know if it was his character because he's always like that or if that just happened to be his character, but he was definitely in character. Um, another actor that I worked with, actually the, the first person, um, again, goes to show you on that first impression thing. Uh, mm -hmm. the first job I ever did was American Psycho. Uh, so I got to work with Christian Bale. And when I was first introduced to him, he was sort of like, Hey, and he walked away and I was like, Oh my God, it's my first job. And he's like, Oh my God, this is like, and this is like 1999. I was like, Ooh, wow. This is going to be tough. Like I'm going to have to like. We're not going to be friendly. It's not going to be what I imagine sets are like. This is just going to be doing my job. Yeah. Like 10 minutes later, there's a hand on my shoulder and it's him. He's like, I'm so sorry. I've not had any coffee yet. I'm horrible without coffee. How are you? What's going on? I'm so, and he was like so apologetic and he was, he couldn't have been nicer. So uh, again, the, the whole country should really start giving people more of a chance. You know, it's not that sort of like that snap decision. Like, oh, I got him figured out. It's like, no, you don't have him figured out. Yeah, um, I think actually in uh, and this is you know share if if you uh, if you wish, but I I remember you know in our conversations you've mentioned that you kind of uh, when you were driving uh, recently and this is you know before uh, before COVID uh, there was a man whose car uh, stopped and you were deciding whether you know this is somebody that uh, is. Um, safe for for lack of a better explanation or maybe i'll just shut up and i'll let you tell that story if you like no you're doing fine but uh, I'll, I'll pick up um yeah uh got a year ago roughly um i was getting off an exit ramp and there was a guy whose car was stalled and it was a truck and it was like it was kind of like a crappy looking truck I pulled up behind him and the first thought was like, oh, come on, what is this? And then I'm like looking at this guy who clearly nobody wants to be in that situation. Um, sort of white guy in his like early mid twenties, uh, look kind of like, you know, like blue collar guy. So I look at him, I'm like, he just looks like he's in pain, right? So I pulled the car over, I was there with the person I was dating. Um, and I was like, just, you know, keep an eye on me, make sure nothing happens. But I went over, I was like, can I help you? And he was like, uh, yeah, uh, could you, could you maybe, maybe you could 
and he, I think he was going to ask me to push, and then he realized that was weird. So he's like, could you just steer the car for me? I was like, sure. So I got into the, the driver's seat, and he was listening to classical music. So again, it's like, okay, so bad on me. All right, he's listening to this, like beautiful music. Um, I help him out, and as I'm doing this, someone else must have seen this interaction because of the line of cars. He pulled over, got, got out of his car to help push. So those two guys pushed. I steered the car off the side of the road, and we all kind of, you know, gave each other a bit of a smile. And the guy whose uh, car truck it was, I was like, "You okay?" And he goes, "Yeah." He goes, "I just I can't believe anybody even stopped to help me." And I think that, you know, certainly uh, racially, I'm sure it was interesting because uh, it's not an area that's populated with a lot of people of color. Um, so if he had any weird ideas, I'm sure that kind of challenged them. Obviously, it challenged his idea of how people behave. Um, so hopefully, he went off feeling a little bit happier, a little bit more comfortable. Unfortunately, the current situation probably has, you know, turned him back into someone who doubts humanity, like a lot of us do at this point. But uh, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> you, you and I both, and I think that's that's where again your your background. Uh, you studied sociology and psychology in college. Um, for somebody who is so interested in people as you are watching what is happening in our world right now and for the last you know, number of years, must have been at at the very least uh, uh, confusing and uh, sad. Yeah, it's um, in the last few years, I uh, feel like things have ex have accelerated uh, or decelerated maybe, um, but uh, the last couple of months certainly have been. Yeah have been fascinating. I, I want to say fascinating. I wish I was on the ISS looking down and I could just be like fascinating. But uh, unfortunately, we're all in it. Um, I think that, oh, God, who knows what, every every week I'm like, oh, well, when this is over and I, my idea of what that looks like changes in the beginning day to day. Now it's like week to week. But uh, a lot of potential for good, but um, there's a lot of bad, and we're dealing, America in particular, uh, I think we read on the fourth grade level, so you're on average. So you're dealing with a populace whose breadth of expression um, starts the fourth grade level. So are we going to have people that are just angry and want to fight or people that want to talk? And, and work something out. And, you know, it's a myriad of issues around that. Like, do people trust science? Do they not trust science? They demonize intelligence. Do you pray for someone who's smart enough to figure things out? It's a bit of a mess. It is. And um, again, in, in my research uh, on you uh, prior to the show, I really liked that you emphasized multiple times in different interviews that it's really not what's different between us, but what unites us and what is common is far more interesting, far greater and in far greater uh, supply of what is common between us. I love that part and uh, I'm the same way. It's just I've been struggling with what's happening in the world and trying to justify my um, interest and ability to look and find the best in people with what I see them do right now. Yeah, right now is a really difficult time to uh, 
to to trust in the good. Um, yeah. But I, I agree. I mean, and, and yeah, I've said it. I'll continue saying it. Um, uh, the first thing that pops into mind is talking to someone who was asking me about race, and and I was like, let's talk about tennis because uh, you're you're a tennis player, I'm a tennis player, and like immediately he started smiling. I was like, that's my point. Like we can talk about all this stuff that's divisive, and I don't. I mean, trust me, it needs to be talked about. It absolutely needs to be talked about, possibly in a different way that's being discussed. Uh, again, people talk about race. The real issues are socioeconomics. There's a lot more that an urban black person will have in common with a rural white person, but society has pitted those two against each other artificially. So again, you have to break through that artifice to get to the actual thing, but people are so reactionary, you can't really break through the shell. I mean, you can, but it's tricky. Yeah, and America is no different from uh, from any other large uh, countries in that regard. You know, I, I grew up in the former Soviet Union. There, it seemed homogenous because everybody was white, uh, with very few uh, kind of uh, you know um, skin tone color differences of people that were on the Asia part of it, or kind of uh, you know a little different in in the way that they look. But what they did is they like every country figures out a way to discriminate and to separate into uh, multiple uh, pieces. And they did that based on, you know, is Russian your original language or is it not? What is your religion? Even though the whole country for the most part was not religious. Uh, you know, it's, it's, they find a way to separate here in the United States. We do that based on color uh, because that's the easiest and the least common denominator that you can apply to. It's yeah. funny and sad at the same time that as humanity, that's what we're doing and that's how we distill. It's just. Yeah. Well, it's, it's certainly a, a reeks of colonialism. You know, it's sort of like, yeah. uh, you know, black people aren't going to be like, oh, we're, we're black, you know, in Africa. But when a white colonist is like, oh, you people are different than us. You're black. You know, it's like it's someone else's idea. Is then imposed, um, uh, and it happens. Certainly, happens in this country with the way people, uh, whether it's, yeah, I don't want to get into it, but uh, okay. women do it to themselves, black people do it themselves, lots of groups do it to themselves, and it's always using kind of like the language of the oppressor and trying to turn it. And it, no, you're you're still basing your identity of self in the oppressor's idea of you. And I, the oppressor sounds really harsh, but for argument's sake, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah yeah in 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 my personal you know my personal prism is that of course i see color and i realize it but it's such a small aspect of who the person is it doesn't really kind of even register very much it's either is the person a good person or is the person not a good person and uh, i i mean that as objectively as i can but is it just you know their behavior uh, their actions uh, and their words, is it those of a good one or is it not? And everything else doesn't really matter to me. So Yeah, I completely agree. I'm, I'm working on a bit of writing right now that that's sort of the, the main tenet. It's like, if you look around and find out who's been a big ass to you, mm -hmm. what do they have in common? And it's more likely that they're a narcissist. It's not that they're certain race or gender but they're self-important, they're arrogant, they aren't compassionate. These are the things. Like if you want to look for 
evil or Satan or bad people, or if you want to be have an ist, you know, racist or sexist, you know, go after the like these are the people like and they can come in all different shapes and sizes and colors and genders and everything you can you can be a they and be a horrible person a she a he a black white chinese doesn't matter but those things don't make you good or bad and again people on people think the other way too like if you're a part of a certain you know race or religion or or socioeconomic group or whatever oh well we're better or we've had it worse so you know you no no who you are as a person again i believe you know dr martin luther king jr you know it's the content of our character and that's uh varies from one person to the next nice yeah i know and again you know the, the people who are uh, who are of jewish uh, faith uh, are not going to be happy with me right now but i one of the reasons why i'm not religious i'm very spiritual but i'm not religious is the whole idea of jews being the chosen people what does that mean you know chosen how yeah, it's come on. Let's uh, let's deal with uh, with life the way it is. So, um, yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. I was say, well, that's one of those things that's interesting. Like there are certain there are certain groups where it's a taboo to talk about anything in the group, and every group has its series of taboos. And I've heard that too. And I've heard different Jewish people say. We're the chosen ones. Well, it means this. Well, no, it means that. And like I hear these different variations, but I also you know, I don't know what the, you know, definitive answer is on that. You know, I hear people uh, that are African-American talk about, you know, well, I'm going to use the N-word, but there's an A on the end, so it makes it different. And I personally think that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I hope after yeah. all that people of color will stop doing that because clearly not a good idea. I think we can all agree at this point, it's really not a good idea. Yeah. Uh, very unpopular for, for saying that years ago, but hopefully people get it now. But uh, yeah, well, what does that mean? Like when you when you hear that, what's your interpretation? Because like I said, I, it's it's yeah. To me, again, it's it's all of we need to separate ourselves and we need to view ourselves as different. And I don't want people to view themselves as different as a race or as a gender or as a sexual orientation. I get the struggles that uh, people uh, deal with. Um, because they are viewed differently by others and all they want to do is to be viewed the same as everybody else. I understand right. that and I applaud that and I'm all for it, but don't treat yourself different. And for uh, for me to hear that we're the chosen people, okay, right. does that make us any better than anybody else? Does that mean that we should be treated better than anybody else? What, really, I, I don't care. And I always struggled against that. Anybody who elevates themselves uh, for any regard, is to me a person that uh, that I am not on the same uh, you know on the same in the same language with because right. nobody should be elevating themselves above anybody else. Nobody should be belittle, belittling themselves uh, below anybody else. We are people. We are imperfect. Yeah. We have lots of things that are great. Lots of things that we need to be working on. Let's just treat each other at that level. And if you want to deal with somebody and they're an asset to you, don't deal with them. Deal with somebody else. I don't care if they're gay, straight, black, uh, what they're, uh, you know, where they came from. It, it doesn't matter to me. And I want people to be more like that. Let's just treat each other as people, human beings. This is who yeah. we are. We all have similar experiences. Some are different. And I want to learn about them to see how I can be a better person. 
but let's just start at the same base. Yeah, it's it to me it seems so simple. It seems so obvious. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know. I'll ask you like do you is there any race or 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 religion or gender that seems to be the best on the planet where no one in their group has ever done anything wrong? Of course not. Right, right. It's completely moronic to think like that. But right. it doesn't stop a lot of people. But I think a lot of it comes from insecurity. I mean, I, I fully believe that insecurity is what what fuels that uh, fear, whether it's fear of persecution, um, uh, fear of, of, well, yeah, fear of persecution, I think, for everybody. You know, it's like, I don't want to be different. I don't want someone to single me out and say that I'm bad. I don't want anyone to take something like my skin color or whatever and then say, you suck because of it, especially when it's something that is intrinsic to who we are. So as a as a reaction, it's like scar tissue. It's like, oh yeah, well, people that look like me are the best. It's like, no, just that's too far. Like I get the pendulum swinging. I, I get the, the psychology of it, the emotion of it, but that should be a flash in the pan. And then you, you fall into something that's, you know, like I wanna be like, yes, black is beautiful because it is and because we need to hear that and the world needs to see that. And it's been amazing to watch that something that used to be just uh, with Black Lives Matter, something that was felt more like a black issue. And like through the 60s, obviously, like, you know, plenty of Jewish people, plenty of white people, like they jumped on board and I'm sure Asians and Latinos did as well. Mm. Now you look all around the world and see how many people are jumping on board. And it's an amazing thing. Um, mm. Yeah, that actually threw me off my point because it's such an amazing thing. I can't, it's it's beautiful to to see all that. Uh, but I guess I, what I was saying is the, the main point is that in the end, that should be something that adds to the collective and it's shared in the collective, but it doesn't mean that it needs to be a defining thing. People uh, people will say, well, how do you define yourself? I'm like, human? Right. Because the humanity is one thing I share with everybody. So I can say I define myself as a Mini Cooper driving Frisbee player and only hang out with people that drive Mini Coopers and play Frisbee. And I guess they're, people find value to that because it's safe. It's all we've got a little group. Mm-hmm. We, we're safe from other people, but I think that's silly. It is very silly. And yeah, the only thing that uh, that kind of, you know, I'm the happy-go-lucky type of uh, positive guy, but the thing that makes me angry is seeing other people being taken advantage of. And for every reason, right? So if uh, if people are singled out because they're black, I, I'm really, really, I start getting angry. If people start getting singled out because of their sexual orientation, I get really angry at those who single them out. I want yeah. everybody to be treated for who they are as, like you said, a human being. Everything else is just an addition to it. It's not the foundation and the main aspect. Yeah, and I... I think it's sad that people, when they get scared, fall into these patterns or fall into these groups um, out of, out of uh, uh, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to hang out with a bunch of people that are like me, so I don't have to deal with that, that crap anymore. Uh, but when, so that's sad. Another part of it, part of that that's sad is that when you have someone who, let's say they're in one of these groups and they do something that's horrible the easiest path for other people is to go, ah, well, everybody like that is bad. Right. And it's partially because people will define themselves by their group instead of their individuality. So then people that are judging see the group instead of their individual uh, identity. Um, 
Uh, and it's just kind of like lazy human, certainly American behavior to want to put everyone into a group. But tribalism is, is real. I mean, men versus women, Republicans versus Democrats, you know, Yankees versus Red Sox. It's all two points on a map. And, and life is so much richer than that. Um, uh, Thoreau says life is in the details. And it really is. And people just being sort of plotting like, what's this one or that one? That's all there is to it. Is It's not. Yeah, yeah. I think there's some things that you can say, no, this is right and this is wrong across the board, but there are very few things you can really put into those categories. Agreed. All right, let's uh, let's jump back uh, into acting. Uh, I'm glad uh, I'm glad we had a chance to discuss this because I I, I also needed to get things off uh, off of you know my chest. Uh, thank you for uh, for working with me through it. Um, of course, how do you feel? Do you feel a little bit lighter or, or heavier? Lighter. Yeah, okay. absolutely lighter because. Uh, it's, you know what? I was about to go on another tangent. We're not going there. We're we're just going to circle back to acting. Um, <laughs> you mentioned American Psycho, and uh, in uh, in that story that I heard you tell, you know, before uh, in one of your interviews, you mentioned uh, right before you got the job, uh, you had uh, a instance that uh, kind of blew my mind and uh, and allowed me to see again, through my perspective of what life uh, and spirituality is, but you had an experience that I really want you to share with people. Would you please uh, do that? Sure, thank you for asking. Um, uh, God, I, I tend to, to go on, which you already know, so this is a long one. I'll try sure. to make it short. Um, sure. So I think it was, yeah, 1999. Um, I was, you know, struggling actor, city and really really uh wanted to be on homicide life on the street loved tom fontana and barry levinson and just enamored with that and and really eager to be working and feeling the same frustration that a lot of actors feel like when is this going to happen and what because when you know nothing you know nothing right you know so i'm this is when i knew after like very very little so i'm like i don't know what to do how's this going to work and a friend of a friend said that he would take me to the set of Oz, which was a show that Fontana and Levinson were working on at the time. And I went over there and, uh, oh, see, I've already screwed up the story, I guess. So let me let me back, let me backtrack for a second. Yeah, sure. So about a month before this happened, two months before this happened, uh, I had an audition for American Psycho. Okay. And uh, went into the audition, um, good audition again i didn't know anything so when they were like would you cut your hair i was like oh it's time to be strong and bold i was like well i don't know you know maybe i shouldn't cut my hair though lots of doormen have long hair maybe i wear a hat and the cameraman was like yeah little jackets i was like in little jackets so i was having probably a little too much fun with the moment and trying to stick to my guns but it, it worked out okay um but i walked away from that and the casting director called me like would you cut your hair and i was like yeah you know I'm, I'm doing well with my hair like this, but I guess I would. I'm like, you know, doing well. Like I had done like, you know, two jobs, got maybe like $400 between the two jobs. I'm like, I'm doing pretty well with my hair. Um, so <laughs> um, I hung up the phone with him and then I got to spend the next two months going, you idiot, why did you do that? Like, what are you talking about? Like, this is what you want to do. You get to work with these amazing people and you're, you're being an idiot. Um, so in those two months, beating myself up and wondering how I can get this ball rolling and how I can't make this mistake again. And then a friend invites me to the Oz set. I go there. I'd met Tom Fontana a couple times. Um, 
really, really sweet man and, and very sweet to remember who I was and then give me a tour of the Oz set, which was, again, as an actor who hadn't done anything yet, aside from some student films, it was phenomenal to be in this place where like, I'm, I'm getting a tour by someone that I completely admire um, of the set of his show. So I hang out there for a little while until I started feeling like the fifth wheel. And I'm like, okay, I should, I should probably go and let them go back to work. Um, I left and I just, oh, I was, I was in a state. I just, I was like, so close. I, it's not my experience, but it's so close. And I ruined this audition. And when is this going to happen? And I'm walking across the street and there's a car. I've got, I've got the light and there's a car rolling towards me. And I can see the guy is like looking for, I don't know, CDs or tapes at that time period, maybe CDs, CDs, um, in a center console. And I, he's, he's about to hit me. And I, at this point, I'm, I've, I've been in New York long enough to be a New Yorker. So I kind of, I whack the hood of his car. I'm like, dude, I, I'm in the crosswalk. I've got the light. And I mean, I didn't bang the car, but it, you know, I, I slapped, I slapped the hood loud enough that he could you know, get his attention. And he got out of the car and just started screaming at me. And all of that sort of anger and, and, and confusion was like, just like boiling up in me. I hadn't been in, in a fight since I was nine. So <laughs> I, you know, I don't know what I was walking to. The guy was much bigger than me. He, he clearly would have killed me. Um, but I was like, he was like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, why are you looking where you're going? And within, you know, five seconds of this altercation, I feel this tap and I look and it's like this, little guy and he just looks at me calm as can be and he's like it's not worth it and i remember being like like it was like like almost like he hit me with this this energy and i was like yeah right right yeah what am i doing so i turned to the guy I was like yeah he's right you're not worth it and the guy's like yeah well, you better and i'm like yeah and i literally everything just drained out and i turned and the guy that tapped me was gone and I mean, I got goosebumps telling this. I don't know if any of that translates, but it was, I don't see how he could have gotten away. Uh, and I looked around, I mean, I, he didn't take a left, he didn't take a right, he wasn't behind me, he wasn't in front of me, I don't know where he went. But um, he could have saved my life and he certainly saved my soul. Uh, and I think that I've had a few angels in my life, this is, this guy was an angel for sure. Um, so when I walked home um, feeling very light um, and very happy and not, not even really just, just the fact that he stopped me and that I didn't understand where he went and he was able to affect me so simply and he, he spoke softly and kindly. And I got back home back when people still had answering machines and I saw a little light blinking on the answering machine and I played the message and it was like, so if you're willing to cut your hair a little bit, um, you're an American psycho. And that guy could have put me in the hospital. I mean, I could have like, it was almost like I was given a, a choice in that moment. And luckily because of an angel, um, I, I didn't, I mean, again, I haven't been fighting since I was a kid, so I can't imagine it would have escalated much more than that, but I still don't know. You don't know how crazy someone is. You don't know what could happen. So an angel stepped in I got home and I got the part in American Psycho. Yeah. Uh, thank you for sharing that story. To me, it's it's clear. My belief system, the way that I feel it, to me, it was an actual angel who came down because that was a pivotal point in your life and you needed assistance. So 
Thank you, Angels, from my perspective. That was that. That's how I got my SAG card. That's how. That's why I'm here now. Yeah. Um, thank you for listening to uh, to the angel at that moment, uh, because you uh, an angel. What I was. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, thank you for that. Yes. I want to. I want to jump into uh, into another interesting uh, story that I heard you tell of uh, of tick. Um, and how you got on tick because it's it's important to uh, to understand again the paths and the reason why we take acting jobs and certain acting jobs and in the case of tick you know you were already on billions and then you were offered a, a part of thug number two um, go go into uh, go into the tick experience I think it, it'll be very useful to somebody sure yeah right um... So you make choices as an actor, what you're willing to do and not willing to do. And I, I've never been interested in doing stuff that that pulls pulls the race down or uh, demeans people in general. I mean, I think that there are interesting parts of people that aren't great that I'd love to play. But uh, yeah, I was doing Billions, having a great time with it. I uh, had done another uh, pilot around the same time. Uh, it was definitely a really great uh, period in my career. And I had an audition for The Tick, and it was thug number two. And I was like, ugh, maybe they'll change the name or something. And it was like literally like, you know, like it's certainly with Trump calling calling people of color thugs now. It's like, ugh, God, maybe they'll still change the name. But um, I really loved uh, the comic, The Tick, um, so it's hysterical, and even more importantly, um, one of my oldest and closest friends, uh, Aaron Baker, uh, who, who passed away before this, um, loved The Tick. Um, the director was amazing. Um, he was the DP um, for uh, the Batman Dark Knight movies. Um, really funny really smart um the writer of the tick was there so i'm like okay these two guys i get to do my own stunts which i've always wanted to do um and get to do like a superhero thing i'm like you know aaron baker i'm like this is this is a no-brainer so thug 2 wasn't stereotypical he was a cartoon character, the Tick is cartoon, so Thug 2 was fine. So I, whatever, I mean, you know, maybe years from now I'll go, no, it was a mistake, but I think that I, I, I added up all the, the pieces and it made sense to me. So while the name is unfortunate, the experience was absolutely stellar. I mean, absolutely, even to the point where, and a complete side note, but important, um, I was coming down, uh, I was a state away, driving down to to shoot this job and the car uh, the car that i was driving the wheel broke off the car on the way to the job lucky that it happened uh right after i got gassed um the cop was like yeah you're in a convertible if you're on the highway and this happened you'd be dead i was like yeah thank you so um what happens as you know as an actor if you can't make the job that's a real serious problem right i had done two days of work on the ticket at this point and this happened and i had to call down there and say i don't have another car i don't know how i'm going to get there like 
I, I think I can get a car. I can call you guys back. And I just went into this panic mode. Um, I was four hours late to work. All they did was, are you okay? You know, let's make sure you're good. You got to get yourself another car. It became like this loving embrace by the crew. And you might think, okay, they just did that so they could have a nice day. And then once you're gone, you're gone. I came back, worked two more days, then I ended up doing the second episode. So um, that kindness is in their heart. You know, like my character did not need to be in the second episode. So um, it was, again, a great show. I got to work with people who, you know, sitting there and hearing stories about, you know, Heath Ledger and 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 some, you know, shot they did in in, in, uh, in Dark Knight. It was hysterical listening to um, listen to talk about creating the comic, just the doing my own stunt. I still have a piece of the candy glass from uh, slamming myself into the firebox. Like amazing story. So yeah, there's a choice there, and it was like, well, what's what's important here? What's important for me to do, and what am I going to get from this uh, that will elevate me, an honor to my friend? Um, so thug too. So be it. Um. I thank you for for uh, for the telling the story and thank you for making that choice. I yeah. I want people to uh, to do these things because you never know what it's going to lead to. Uh, again, yep. my level of my career, I was offered a role of a footman in a uh, Columbia uh, College production of the Pride, Pride Prejudice and Gaze, uh, and they had a you know it's all gender. Uh, you know, reversal, and uh, it was a grand uh, kind of uh, production. And the reason why I did it is, again, it's an unpaid uh, project. It's a student film. I have the role of a footman, which is a tiny role. Uh, but the reason, the whole reason why I said yes to that project is because Shea Coulee, who my daughter is a huge fan of, is uh, Lady de Berg in that project. And once I realized that, and my daughter, you know, loves uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, and uh, she's you know, she loves that whole uh, uh, culture. <clears throat> so I, that's how I heard the name Shea Coulee. And once I heard Shea Coulee, I told my daughter, hey, I'm, I'm you know, thinking of doing this project. And her eyes lit up and she said, is right. there any chance that I can possibly get on set? So I called them and I said, you know, my daughter is a huge fan. Would you mind terribly if I bring her with me and she'll just, you know, stay kind of uh, on the side? They said, no, no problem. Please bring her over. So I said yes to that uh, tiny little role. It ended up uh, being two days of uh, shootings. I actually ended up having two scenes, which I didn't expect. Uh, I was elevated to the role of a butler uh, of, of Lady de Berg. I got to uh, wear you know, costumes from, uh, from a past, uh, past uh, century. I got to uh, you know, speak with a British accent. And I loved uh, every moment of it. I'm still waiting for the tape from it. So by the way, guys, please, please give me the tape. But my daughter got to meet Shea Coulee, and she keeps talking about that moment. I've been the father of the year for the last uh, two years running now, and it was a great experience. And again, it was a project that didn't seem like something that I would want to do, and I enjoyed every moment of it. So actors out there, you know, here you have an example of the tick. You have my tiny little example. You know, pay attention to those. You never know where they're going to lead you. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And and uh, and uh, it goes back to what we were saying earlier, you know, individual choices um, over the group think 
is always good. So you can go, oh, I shouldn't do this because of whatever. And I think there are reasons why that would make sense, you know, but you also have to make choices about you. And as long as you're being true to yourself and who the self is, is not a jerk, then that's, that's pretty good. You know, when I first started another thing, uh, which to, to tie the two stories together, uh, I've been very insecure about the level of training that I've had, uh, certainly going to school for sociology and psychology. Um, so when I first got to the city, I said, you know what, I want to, I don't want to do uh, extra work, but I want to do extra work in a commercial, a TV show and a film so I can see how all of them work. And, you know, I want to, there are things that I don't, I don't know. And a lot of my friends that went to acting school said, yeah, they don't talk about a lot of the film things that you need to know you learn on set anyway. Um, and I've heard that from people that uh, work at work at certain of these uh, acting grad programs that are like, it's a different, the same thing they'd say about college. There's, there's book learning and then there's like the street learning. Like there's being able to understand first position and different jobs that people have on set, like understanding those things. So when your first, your first day, when you walk in and you've got lines, someone's like, okay, first position. And you're like, what the hell is that? And now all of a sudden you're not thinking about your character. Now you're like, oh, I'm an, I'm an ass. I'm going to screw everything up. So for me, doing that extra work was hugely valuable so I could see how the star or the secondary actors were working with the directors and second AD. I could understand what second team was. All these terms I didn't know, I was able to learn by doing that. Uh, and then one of the, the nicest things to come out of it that was surprising is that uh, I was doing extra work on a... Uh, a film, an independent film, turned out two friends were working on. I had no idea they were working on it. And then one of the leads, uh, this guy, Robert John Burke, who I totally love from his independent Hal Hartley films, uh, Simple Men in particular. <laughs> um, and he was there. And again, I didn't know any better. So I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to go approach one of the stars as, a, as an extra. So I just walked over to him. I was like, oh, my God, I just I think you're the best. And my God, simple men in this line. He was like, oh, man, go ahead and sit down. And I remember one of the PAs rushing over like, oh, no, no, you're not supposed to. And he was like, no, it's fine. And we sat there. We ran lines from from the movie. I got to learn a bit about what um, what he does. And he and he was like, you know, I'm doing extra work today. I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, my bit today is walking through the scene and giving someone a dirty look. So it bridged the gap between where I was and where he was that not everything is precious all the time. And also in that, in that interaction, uh, at one point they were like, oh, we need, a, we need a bartender. And he was like, and then they found somebody, but he was trying to get me to come over and he was trying to put me in that position, which is so kind. And on top of all that, I ran into him two other times uh, in the couple of years after that. He took my reel. One day he gave me fee he called me, gave me feedback on, on what was on the reel. Another time he was working and uh, he, he introduced me to the director. Like just and then I, I didn't work with him on Rescue Me, but we were there the same day. So I got a chance to thank him uh, years later in the career. He gave me great advice. And because I respected him. I listened to it. And again, I would not be doing what I'm doing now if I didn't have that beautiful experience of doing extra work and meeting Robert John Burke and then getting great feedback and him making me feel like where I was in my career was was legitimate. He got me, didn't make me feel like, oh, I'm just this idiot doing this thing. He made me feel like this is part of the process. So little things, small steps, small moves make a big difference. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. It's 
this is not the first time, by the way, and uh, going to go back to something you mentioned, it's not the first time that I hear uh, as I'm talking to the actors who are on the show about going to legit top-notch uh, theater programs and then not having any information in those programs about auditioning, about film, about what it's like to be on set. It blows my mind. I cannot understand nor believe that people are spending three, four years in a program. They're spending a ton of money on these uh, programs and they're not teaching them how to be in film or on television or the process of actual work as an actor trying to get a job. I don't understand it. I hope they have changed that uh, since you know the actors have been there. If they have not, I will never endorse anybody going to any one of those programs. Yeah, I mean, I, since I haven't gone to any of the programs, it's difficult for me to, to yeah. criticize appropriately, but I've heard that more than once. You know, yeah. I've, I've heard things, actually one of the best bits of advice I can I can speak on, uh, uh, back early, uh, early in my career, first few years of it, uh, I thought, you know, let me get into a, a, a good acting program. So I started calling around. I remember calling to, and I probably shouldn't say where. <laughs> I, I called a very, yeah, I probably shouldn't. I, I find, they'll find a way to come back and bite me. But uh, the woman I spoke to was great. She was like, look, you could come here if you want, but it's a lot of money. And we don't actually teach film television stuff. You're getting the experience right now. Like the stuff that you've already learned from the couple jobs you've done is going to be more valuable in a lot of ways than what we can teach here. And I'm like, but you guys are blank. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, but you have to, it's not just about where you go. You can go to a place and be like, oh, it's got a great name, but you have to find someone who believes in you. And again, it's that that general to specific. People just go, oh, I went to so this place, so it's a great school. Okay, did you do a good job? Did you study? Did you have a teacher that believed in you? That you like put you under their wing and then help guide you? If the answer is no, then you know the name of the school might get you in a door, but that's it. Now, all that said, I still wish I had gone to some amazing grad school, but uh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, many actors have not. Russell Crowe, you know, never did. He, he in one of his interviews with uh, James Lipton, uh, you know, rest his soul, uh, he mentioned that I always kind of felt inferior and I wanted to go to those programs. And by the time I had enough money to go to those programs, I was already a star and I didn't need to go to those programs. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, certainly not uh, in Russell Crowe territory. I'll, I'll go ahead and arrogantly say yet. But um, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's true. I mean, that's that's what this teacher said. It's nice to hear. Thank you for telling me that because I didn't know that. And uh, it's true. Like, if if I were to try to get into a program now, like I think I've 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 studied with different teachers um, since, which has been good. But yeah, if I were to try to get into a program, they'd probably say, okay, you've got to spend the next, you know, two years, three years, not auditioning and just you know doing the program. I don't know if that would serve me right now. It wouldn't. So yeah. all I'm doing. Like if I look at my career, I'm going in and trying to fill in all the potholes or all the areas that are these chasms where I'm like, oh, I didn't learn that. I didn't do that. Okay, well, this feels weird. And whether it's about confidence on set or just, I guess that's really a confidence on set. I'm trying to go in and 
and fill in all those gaps. Yeah, um, I just I I agree with you. You don't need to go to uh, and get your MFA in in a. I don't think that's something that uh, that is needed at this point in your career. Uh, just work with some uh, some excellent people who know what they're talking about, who understand who you are, and can help you fill those gaps. And thankfully, in our acting business, there are plenty of them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's get to uh, to some uh, interesting kind of tidbits. Um, okay. You're you're a very private person, and I appreciate uh, you opening up uh, and kind of sharing a lot uh, about yourself uh, here, but. If uh, you were to pick one thing that most people do not know about you, uh, <laughs> what would that be that you're comfortable in sharing? I'm going to look around the apartment, see if there's anything I can I can find. I've got a sink, but now everybody knows that. <laughs> uh, um, let's see. Uh, okay. Consider myself an artist of sorts. Actually, I think of myself as a scientist, but I have no proof of that. Um, um, when I was in college, uh, so, all right, so I, uh, I used to draw, I still draw, uh, from time to time, uh, photographer, actor, and I've, 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 I'm the director of photography, I've, I've, I've directed things, um, writing is something that's hugely important to me, and when I was in college, I had an amazing opportunity that I said no to, that when someone asked me what my regrets are, it's always the number one regret. Um, there were two people, I guess, that uh, the movie uh, Dead Poets Society was based on. Uh, and one of them was actually teaching at my college. And my writing teacher at the time uh, let me know this. Um, and he said it was an invite only class or recommendation only class. And he recommended me. Hmm. I think, considering how important Dead Poets Society was to me and the fact that. I already knew that I was supposed to be doing sociology and psychology, and I kept on straying back into the arts. That I was like, I don't think I can do this. Mostly it was insecurity, though. I was like, oh my God, no, I could never. I, I, just, I, I had enough people push me down over the years that I have believed it more often than I should. Um, and I said no to it. And as a result, I've been paid as an actor and paid as a photographer, and I've been frightened to put my my writing out there. I want to say it's changing. I'm doing writing. I'm working with someone, a friend of mine who was a, a, a screenwriter, and trying to get some essays out there and then showing him some of the other work that I've done. So it's it's hugely important to me, like hugely important. In terms of the pandemic, uh, I can't seem to stop writing, but my my fear is based in that moment where I should have taken this guy's class. I can't imagine where I'd be. Now, maybe, maybe he would have been like, oh my God, you're terrible and I'd never write, I don't know. But um, I guess not if I was recommended for the class. But uh, I, I think that is an area that is, that's one of those holes that I'm trying to fill. Uh, so there's something about me. Thank you for sharing that. And life is circular. So uh, the universe gave you a chance to, uh, to go and write at that point, you didn't take it. It doesn't matter why. Uh, it just means that it came around again. So uh, you should utilize the uh, the another chance to uh, to take advantage of it and start writing. So uh, please, please do that. I, I will. I I, I I totally. I don't want to uh, be ruled by signs and things like that. But I do try to pay attention. It's very Celestine prophecy. I'm like, okay, nothing happened accidentally. 
Yes. I'm not going to just go looking for things and try to make them more important. But the writing thing, uh, yeah, it's it's knocking at my door every day. Yeah. So, well, open it and welcome it uh, with open arms. Oh, it's it's been open. Now we're wrestling. Yeah. Good. Well, wrestling is good. Hey, um, if you need any any wrestling uh, advice or uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you have a person or a couple of person on Billion Set that you could ask that question. Right. Um, right. You know, one yeah. of them I'm referring to is Tim. was so fantastic, by the way. That was great. Tim, yeah. Uh, Timothy is is just such a pleasure to talk to and to uh, to listen to and to learn from. Such introspective, uh, interesting person. I really, really enjoyed uh, the conversation. Yeah, no, he he was great. I'm looking forward to again when you when you work on a show like it's one of those things that before you do this job, like anything else, you have an idea of what it's like, and then once you do it, you go, oh, okay, that was. Eh. So I always thought if people were in a movie together that they worked together, but you cannot have scenes with people and never see them. Like I think he and I have seen each other at like one table read, but we never have scenes together. So you know, it's only recently connected. But uh, yeah, he seems great. He seems great. Yeah, he's he great on the show. Yeah, well, if only you didn't listen to the Paul Giamatti uh, signs or the Giamatti signs and you were Team X, you would have spent time with <laughs> with Damien Lewis and you would have spent time with uh, Chef Ryan on the show. That's true, but I mean, I got to tell you that those those table reads, uh, Damien Lewis uh, has said a couple things to me that were so incredibly kind that, again, just everyone there, and I heard Tim say it, and it's absolutely true, the people that they have gathered for that show yeah i mean i i don't want to make anyone jealous but man i hope everyone gets a chance to be in a room that's just like that um the the camaraderie um the the fun but also the incredible intelligence and uh commitment to doing a good job so yeah, yeah. i yeah i i couldn't agree more i, I told tim that you know it, the billions is one of those where i would happily pay uh, to uh, to be on set, he said, no, no, no. Make sure you get paid. But you know, it's one of those where I was even tempted. Uh, you know, it shot in New York. Obviously, right now is everything is on hiatus. But I was tempted because I see the uh, the extras uh, parts coming along all the time. I'm like, I have to be a part of that universe. I'm not gonna do the extra because I want to be able to uh, to potentially have you know whatever small uh, you know co-star or any other role I can gather. So I've but over the last four years, I've been like, I it's, just want to be there. Yeah, it's tricky again. I mean, this is just like in life, you know, uh, you've got to make choices and you could make the wrong choice. But I think one of the important things to uh, to remember is that for the most part, you can always go back and make another choice or you learn from that choice. So maybe you do uh, extra work on it. You're like, oh, I really wanted to be on the show, but you might meet someone who has a great conversation with you just the same thing i said about uh about robert john burke uh you you could have that experience or you might have experience like myself with the writing teacher where you spend years going why did i do that i should have never done that so <laughs> so you don't know but that's if you can enjoy the process of of life and work then you understand that you know you got to take the crookeds with the straights to quote fences you got to uh you gotta you're it's gonna be a, a mix of good and bad the people that just try to keep everything safe they end up not being affected by life and end up having a fairly boring existence it's safe 
and you can go, oh yeah, I, I did everything I was supposed to do and nothing went wrong. Yep, never never wanted to be one of those people, and uh, you know I'll, I'll continue trying not to be. Sorry, go ahead. I, I was just saying, no offense to anybody who is, it's just that's not me. No, 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 and I, I totally get it, but step outside of your comfort zone um, responsibly. Um, okay, you've mentioned something, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of those annoying storytellers. I have to have the, I have to tell this story because it deals with acting and stepping outside of your your comfort zone. So I finished Second City, uh, the A through E programs, which is basically a year. I took a few more classes, and I wanted to audition for the conservatory program. Uh, I love singing. I love musicals. I've mentioned that many times on the program. I am not a good singer. I have a very wide range, but it has Swiss cheese types of holes all throughout it. And I haven't worked enough to cover them up. So, of course, I auditioned for the musical improv conservatory program because I thought, why not? You know, was, you know talk about stepping outside of your comfort uh, zone. So I go there and I, you know, I uh, go to the uh, to the table where the people are welcoming you and I write my name in it. And I ask, you know, hey, what's what's kind of the process? What's going to be on there? She said, well, you know, we're going to you know put you into some two person scenes into three person scenes. So you may have to do kind of uh, some singing on the spots and kind of improv. Uh, well, we may also kind of uh, ask you questions or maybe a kind of, you know, sometimes they throw out a name of a person and then you have to come up with a song of uh, the person on the spot. I'm like, OK, that sounds awesome. So I'm sitting there again. I'm early, so I have time and I am. You know, I'm a poet, I'm a lyricist, so I'm thinking, yeah, well, let's start there. And I start kind of writing songs about, you know, some famous people, some politicians, and, you know, I'm, I'm having fun. And in the back of my mind, I keep on hearing Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt. And I'm thinking, yeah, that, whatever, that's, they're not going to mention Brad Pitt. And I keep on writing about others, and I keep, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt. And, you know, my intuitive uh, kind, of, um, kind of background uh, basically says, okay, I, I hear Brad Pitt, I need to write about Brad Pitt. So I write a song about Brad Pitt. And then I get ready for other stuff. And then they finally call us in, they get on stage, you know, we get on stage and there are people, you know, in the audience uh, who are the directors and they say, introduce yourselves and so on. First thing we're going to do is, uh, you know, we're going to kind of uh, decide and uh, throw a name of a celebrity and you have to come up with a song on the spot. So I'm, you know, uh, kind of snickering to myself thinking, yeah, that would be funny. Uh, so they talk to them uh, to each other, and then you know we get on stage, uh, or they they pick a few people uh, to step forward, and of course they say Brad Pitt, and you know I sing my song, and in the back of my mind I'm thinking, okay, I'm an intuitive, this is improv. Does it work together? Because if I know what's coming ahead of time, is it really improv? So I you know do that audition. We do the two-person scene, three-person scene. Uh, I think I do fairly well, but. You know, I did not get accepted into the program. The lesson from all of this for me and hopefully for actors who are listening is that when you put yourself uh, in a situation where you are not letting fear dictate, where you push those boundaries, the universe is always there to support you in ways that you might never have imagined, like it did for me with Brad Pitt. Right. I totally agree. That's great. Yeah. So yeah, um, it's, it's and it is. By the way, it is. It is improv still. Um, I mean, I think that that's what improv really is. Is that 
you have this sort of wealth of knowledge experience that you then can can turn on uh, and access in that moment. So you were more keyed into the universe. So that should be something you're celebrating. Yeah, I, I was. It's it's still one of my kind of favorite moments that uh, that happened to me in uh, in my life. So, um, awesome. what's uh, what's the weirdest thing that ever happened to you on a uh, you know TV or a movie set? Uh, you mean filmed or behind the scenes? Um, behind the scenes is more interesting to me. Right. Um, you know, I've been really fortunate. I don't think anything. Uh, What's the weirdest thing? I guess the thing that's that kind of caught me off guard is uh, I did a show called Wisdom of the Crowd, um, mm -hmm. and the entire experience around it was phenomenal. Uh, Monica Potter was was on that show, and I've seen her forever. Think that she's awesome. Uh, heard she's super nice. Um, so she was on the show, but she wasn't, she was busy doing something else when I first got there. So she wasn't part of that sort of collective and, uh, got out of the trailer one day and we almost smacked into each other. And I got to say, I was not ready for it. I mean, cause I was like, you know, wow, Monica Potter. And like, you know, she's just awesome. She is better in real life than she is on screen, which is already pretty awesome. So around she's like oh my god hey how are you and like oh my god this is great and just engaging and friendly and sweet um and just yeah immediately big hug and it was like great and then she had to get rushed off so i had like seven seconds of like what what just happened to me like i was here and then i almost hit somebody and it was monica potter and she was really nice and we got a hug and then she rushed off and i was like yeah. And then be, then after she left, there were guys in the background, crew guys, that were running around playing with their RC cars. And I was just like, I think I'm still sleeping. <laughs> was was that the second angel sighting you were referring to earlier? Uh, you know what? <laughs> she was incredibly sweet. She was incredibly sweet. Yeah. Yeah. No, she was, uh, in a, you know what, in a way, in a way she really was. Um because when you come in contact with someone that you've watched on screen for so long, yeah. uh, you're, you know, okay, we're coworkers. I'm a fan. They get they get a little mixed up in terms of what what experience am I having? What experience am I giving her? Um, she was just. It's something I've, I've seen with the people I've worked with that are are the most talented and some of the nicest people is that they they kind of get that it's a combination experience, you know? So she was able to stay real, stay herself in that moment, despite, you know, this is a new person or possibly a fan, or I've got to rush off to work. And that's something that, you know, I was saying something similar about Giamatti, uh, something I really admire. Yeah, yeah that was probably the most surreal moment. Yeah, because I was totally not expecting it. And I also, we were shooting in Vancouver. So like, okay, I mean, it was like a dream. I'm in a place I've never been before. I'm in a yeah. trailer that has stuff I've never seen in it. I'm about to shoot with people I've never worked with before. I just flew in the night before. And 
now Monica Potter and I almost like smacked heads and now she's really awesome and now she's gone and now I'm watching guys race RC cars. I'm just like, I don't know what. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's awesome. And you get a chance to work with a little bit uh, on that project, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, with another wonderful uh, you know, person and actress uh, who was on my show, Elfina Luck. Yes, yes, that's how I met Elfina and she was awesome. Uh, we, uh, we did not have a scene together, but we, we hung out in the green room together. Um, she got to watch, uh, Richard, who was on that show. Uh, he and I are, uh, I like him very, very much. And he and I was just trade barbs back and forth. We were just like, da -da 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 -da. and he, he was like, how long have you guys known each other? He was like, I, I just met him like yesterday. Like, <laughs> so she actually saw that, that interaction then the genesis of that friendship. Uh, but yeah, she's, uh, she's kicking butt. Uh, so to find again someone who was really, really sweet that I met years ago, um, see her excel is great because you really want it to happen to the people that are great. Yes, yeah, she's wonderful. Um, I really, really enjoy talking to people who are, you know, very introspective, very open, love the craft, love acting, and uh, want to talk about it. It was, it was a great interview. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. No, I saw it. It was great. But yeah, she's, uh, I hope I continued success for her. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, you know, fingers crossed for, for all of, uh, all of you guys. I mean, this is now, now it's, uh, you know, at least in my mind, now it's, it's a family. So I'm, I'm pulling for everybody who's, uh, who's on the show. And um, you too. And that's the, the beauty of, of this, of this path is that you're definitely on the path less traveled. And the further you go down the path, uh, fewer people. I always say it's like ships passing the night, you know, like it's, it is not an easy life choice. And it's certainly when people ask about that, they're like, well, it's got to be really, really hard. And I'm like, it is difficult, but not for the reasons that you might think. You're like, oh, the rejection. I'm like, I don't, that's like, I, it's worse when I get rejected from asking someone out. Like that feels pain. That's like pain. An audition, it's like, oh, whatever. You know, uh, but it's, it is, it's all the other stuff. It's, it's dating relationships, it's finances, it's people looking at you saying, when are you going to change or when are you going to get a real job? It's family dynamics. It's, it's looking at your friends, get married while you're going, oh my God, what am I doing? Like, it's all that stuff that makes it really complicated, but actually doing the job is fun and great. Mm -hmm. So getting into that and getting kind of uh, the difficulty of, uh, of your lifestyle and you know, a little bit of mine. Um, if you had to give yourself uh, a bit of advice, uh, kind of if you traveled back in time and uh, were able to speak to the young Malachi who's just starting out and you had a chance to give one bit of acting advice, what would that be? Well, if you go back, um, you know, an hour, I would say, we need to figure out times to do this where it's not either a tornado or a heat wave. Because if I could just go back an hour, that's where I'd say, let's find a different day where it's not, we don't have a climate shift. Uh, yeah. But if I could go back to, to young me as an actor, uh, one, if young me saw me now, he'd be really depressed and want to make changes. Like, you got fatter than I thought and older than I thought. Jesus Christ. Like, he would be very upset. Is that a gut? Where'd that come from? Mm -hmm. um, no, but I think what I would say is uh, trust yourself. Trust yourself more. Um, 
there are so many voices, that's that other point. Um, there's so many voices that tell you that you can't make it, you can't do it. I mean, basically it's, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's every good story. You get all these people saying you can't make it. You got to find something in you that says, you know what, I'm going for it. Um, and I wish that I had, I did have support. Certainly. I wish I had more of it. And I wish that when I didn't have it, I didn't listen to the naysayers. Um, you've got to trust yourself and the society does not, um, does not encourage original thought. It doesn't really encourage taking chances. It encourages taking chances. Like I'm going to jump off of a cliff into the water. Yeah. Simple chances. It's fine with encouraging, but, uh, you know, trust your instincts and go after your dream and make a mark and make the world a better place. There, I wish I had more of that flowing through me when I was younger. So I think I would like to be a constant reassuring voice to trust the path that you're on and to, uh, you know, go off the path every now and then. I mean, my path was already off the path, but, you know, go off even further, you know, take more chances. Um, uh, most amazing things I've experienced in life have come from doing that, uh, whether it's being open mentally or taking a different chance as an actor, um, doesn't matter. Just, yeah, trust, uh, trust that inner voice and continue to be okay with the failures. Uh, we learn from our mistakes and people that are afraid to make mistakes. And again, I shouldn't say that I'm afraid to make mistakes. Uh, I think that's it. That's it becomes so precious. Like, oh yeah, you have to be this person or that person. Uh, it's a, it's a constant battle. You know, uh, every day you've got a choice and every moment you've got a choice as to whether or not you're going to uh, be open or closed or whatever. And we have to, the more you take those chances, the more rewards you get, the more likely you are going to continue taking those chances. So, but if you don't take the chances, everything gets scarier and scarier. You know, if you know fewer and fewer people that are different than you, then they all become <clears throat> scary. You know, if you if you stay in your job for a long time and you say, well, I really want to be an artist, but I'm making all this money doing this other job. The more you stay, the less likely you'll try something different. So try different things, do them when you're young. And uh, yeah. Yeah, or do them when you're middle aged, like uh, like me doing uh, doing this. Uh, it's it's not easy. And no, or, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say uh, that. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, every every passing year, I look at actors that are older than me that made it when they were older than me. I'd be like, well, you know, Danny Glover, he started when he was late. Danny Aiello, he started when he was late. The yeah. the moral of the story is, if your name is Danny, you seem to yeah. start. Or or. <laughs> Or Rod Thorne. Yeah. Well, look, this is the thing, and none of it matters. And that's 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 the main point is that if you go off of my example or someone else's example, they're examples. They're 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 sort of guideposts. But what I like about this job, my best friend is a uh, an ER doctor, and we talk about this thing back and forth, like you know whose life is cooler, and it's always like, no, no, you made the right choice. No, no, you made the right choice, kind of thing. Um, but you've got to. There's not a prescribed path for this, um, and it makes it it makes it really scary at times. You don't uh, you can't offer the same guarantees um, if you do something that's more traditional. But not to put too fine a point on it, we're in the middle of a pandemic, so I don't know 
who had a guarantee that's working out. No. So you yeah. might as well you want to do. Yeah. Be you, uh, you know, be true to yourself and uh, every choice, make it from that perspective. So, yes, but if you're an asshole, go get therapy and then be yourself afterwards. That is, that is very cool. So be you unless you're an asshole and then work on it. That's right. Be you unless you're, unless you're got issues, in which case <clears throat> get fixed and then go be yourself after. Excellent. I think that's really important because there's there's this there's this idea, and I think it's actually uh, it started probably in the late '80s, and it's I think it's really corrupted our our country. That idea that you're great no matter what, you're just fine at who you are. It's not exactly true. You doesn't now, and again, it's like it's it's been corrupted. Like if you're if you're you know in a wheelchair, or if you're if you're black, or if you're white and you're poor, or whatever your issue is. It's okay to be like, yeah, no, you know what? I'm still, I'm still a good person. Those things shouldn't affect me. But it doesn't mean that I can be a jerk and I'm okay because I'm okay. Like, so there's a, it kind of went past the line that it was supposed to go in terms of being inspirational into an excuse. Yeah, but you're right. And therein lies the difference. It's who are you on the inside? You know, right. that is what we should be, uh, we should be talking about the outward appearance um that's that's a whole different uh, subject so right right yeah perfect well little, thank little you nuance to forget yeah. about huh little nuance people tend to overlook i yeah which is uh, the one that they should be focusing on in the first place but um it's like saying uh uh well it's just a bad apple it's like you know that's an idiom and yeah. you can't pick and choose it's bad apple spoils the bunch or barrel depending on where you want to get it from but you got to say the whole thing and the whole thing is a different meaning than just the part that you've cherry picked so that's it we need to stop cherry picking parts of life that make us look good or sound good whether it's putting something on instagram or saying something like that give give the give the full picture and again i mean it's it's, fair, it's more fair to you and also fair to people that are listening you know i could sit here and uh whether it's with my photography or with you and and tell you a bunch of really fun hysterical stories that involve celebrities and make everyone go wow that's so cool but i don't know if that helps as much as understanding some of the other stuff that actually becomes the foundation that lets you have those experiences yeah no and i appreciate you sharing those because uh the the rest of it would be lovely sound bites and probably get me a ton more views but that's not why we're here and why we're doing this right i'll, um, I'll drop some names in a few minutes just to get you some more uh, let's yeah no no problem but we're going to drop them after we stop recording because then i i could feel good about myself um thank you my friend thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate uh you opening up and sharing this uh, this time with us uh it's it's immensely valuable i i know it's immensely valuable to me personally but i'm sure it's uh, it's it's very valuable to the people out there who are trying to figure out who they are in this business and how to go about it thank you you're very welcome, and thank you for doing this. I think it's really, really important. Uh, there's something in our society, uh, and I'm sure it exists in other societies, but I can't speak of what it's like living in, you know, Bulgaria or wherever. So I can only talk about this. Um, there's a, a, a creepy uh, capital. There, I can't remember the the actual term for it, but it's like this kind of capitalism on steroids. This kind of, I have information. I'm not going to give it to you. So good luck. Figure it out on your own. Right. Which I find really disgusting, to be honest. Um, so 
I, I got a chance to be here because you asked me to. I got a chance to be here because I've met actors and casting directors along the way that have been giving with information and time. Um, I always, I always think about barn raisings, the Amish and barn raising, and a bunch of people coming together to do something kind. Um, and I just, I think that's what the world should be. So. Anyone's got questions? If you've got questions, feel free to ask because if you don't ask, you won't find out and uh, no judgment zone. Yeah. Yeah. The only way we get better is by the conversation. Yes. And thank you for that. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I think it goes back to, uh, and if people want to figure out something about themselves, just ask a simple question. Do you enjoy yeah. giving presents more or do you enjoy receiving presents more? And I think, you know, Malachi, uh, I'll, I'll speak for you in this instance uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you and I both enjoy giving presents a lot more than receiving them. So yeah. the ability to share information and help somebody else is kind of so ingrained. We don't know why people think the other one would be the true uh, approach. Yeah, I, I agree. But I'll tell you something else that I, it's again part of this writing. And I think it's, I think it's important for where we are in a society right now. I think that there are different groups of people that feel bad about themselves for one reason or another. And there's some people that should feel bad about themselves on a certain level. Like, yeah, if you, if you want to get stuff and you don't give stuff, yeah, you're not awesome. But a lot of times those people already know there's something wrong or they'll hear something like this and go, oh, yeah, well, whatever, and push it off. And I would say the human family wants to welcome you back into the fold try giving the present and getting some joy from that. You know, you're not, you're not a lost cause if you're that other person. And I mean, the present thing is one example, but um, what's great about humans is the potential to evolve, the potential to become something greater than we were. And it's, it's weird to me that everyone loves watching superhero movies, which is in pretty much every superhero goes through this thing. Yep. In real life, you know, people like the villains and they, they, they act. I don't know how, all the Avengers movies have done so well and we're in this place as a society. I don't, do, do people not watch them? Do they just go to them and then text while they were watching? <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. Um, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's wrap it up here and sure. uh, allow people to, uh, to kind of uh, go and um, think for themselves and uh, decide who they want to be uh, how they want to approach our society and hopefully make a choice that there is much more in common with all of us and be a kinder, gentler, nicer, more giving person. I agree. It's, it's a very, it's a very uh, Eastern uh, philosophy uh, kind of way of, of looking at things too, you know, like, you know, the tree that bends is the one that doesn't break, you know, the resistance, resistance of water. Like, it's so easy to, to be kind. Um, and it's actually takes a bit of effort to, to be a jerk and to be stuck in the mud. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really simple. I think if people slow down enough, and I kind of was hoping this with a pandemic that people's lives would slow down enough that they could see it, but it went from slow to not believing to scared to wherever the hell we are now, it'll change by tomorrow. Yeah, it will. Well, hopefully it'll pass. And uh, we all come out of it better on the other side. And yeah, these usually do. So hopefully. Yeah.
thanks for everybody for uh, for tuning in uh, and uh, watching these conversations. Uh, please, uh, you know, comment, uh, tell us what you think. Uh, you know, please follow. Uh, please follow a very private person, but somebody who does have an Instagram account uh, in, in Malachi. Uh, we'll, we'll put that link there. And um, we know you love acting as much as we do. So we enjoy doing this for you. And thank you, everybody. Thank you. Have fun out there, everybody. Be yeah. safe. Be safe. Bye.